and welcome to Connected with Coast Autonomous. I'm Adrian Sussman from Coast and with me is Pierre Lefebvre, our Chief Technology Officer. Hello, Pierre. Hello, Adrian. Connected is a podcast series where we'll be joined by special guests to discuss unique insights into the world of autonomous vehicles and self-driving technology. Today, it's my honor and privilege to welcome two gentlemen that know, well, basically everything about cars, driving, and winning. We have three-time Indianapolis 500 champion, Dario Franchitti. Hello, Dario. Hi, Adrian. How are you? And three-time 24 Hours of Le Mans winner, Alan McNish. Hello, Alan. Hello, Adrian. So it's almost impossible for me to introduce you both without upsetting one of you. Uh, <laughs> not going to get into the argument, is Le Mans better than Indy? Is Indy better than Le Mans? So as you both know each other rather well, can I ask you to introduce each other? Dario, please say a few words to introduce us to Alan. A fan of both Nottingham Forest and Queen of the South, he won three British karting titles and six Scottish titles. He could have won more, especially the one in Clay Pigeon when his cart ended up in a skip afterwards, but we'll go there. 1988 Formula Boxer Lotus British champion, three-time ALMS champion, five-time Sebring 12-hour winner, Four times he won at Petit Le Mans, including one race when he crashed on the way to the grid and still won. <laughs> Three-time Le Mans winner. He was second in a boxing match at St. Joseph's School in Dumfries <laughs> in his teenage years. On a few occasions. <laughs> He's got the second fastest time on the road between Abington, Abington and fourth. I have the quickest. In a serious note, he led the charge for a young generation of Scottish drivers to follow in his footsteps, including myself and David Coulthard. Um, a brilliant driver and a great friend, Alan McNish. Well, thank you very much, Dario. I'm quite pleased and honoured that uh, you said those things. You know, just to give a little bit of background, Dario and I first met uh, in, I think it was 1984. When uh, at Lark Hall, which is just south of Glasgow in Scotland, when Dario was having his first run in a cart, I don't think either of us believed then that we would still be talking to each other at this late stage of the game. Um, <laughs> never mind have a few trophies in our trophy cabinets. But, uh, you know, we're talking about different things that we've done. Dario has clearly gone in a different direction to myself. We both came up through the junior single-seater ladder and then spread off. And I went into sports car racing in the long 24 hours. Dario went to America. Not only went to America, cracked America, took America by storm. Something that I don't think many drivers have ever done in such a way as he was able to do. And that heralded him not only three Indy 500 titles, but also four IndyCar championships against some of the toughest competition that you could ever have imagined. The thing I would say about Dario is that he had a skill set that was adaptable. Didn't matter what it was, he could drive it. And some of them, I have to say, were probably not the quickest of things in the world. Like his first car that I remember being a Fiat Uno Turbo, that he took that quickest time from Abington up to fourth. But uh, all in all, you know, we've been very lucky in Scotland having such a history and tradition of drivers. And uh, there is no question about it. This Jim Clark fan here is another one that's actually put his name into that lineage. And something that Jim Clark did once was win the Indy 500, something that Dario did it three times. And so 
I'm very pleased and honoured to be able to introduce this man to you because uh, he spans so many things that so many only aspire to be able to achieve. Dario Franchitti. Thank you, Alan. Well, that's amazing. And that really sets the scene for a, a lively debate. So thank you so much. <laughs> oh, so, we've got more in the pocket, Adrian. Be careful. <laughs> got no doubt. So the general topic for this podcast mm. The future of cars and mobility. Uh, I know that Pierre is itching to ask you both your views on this subject uh, and much more too. So I'll hand over to Pierre. Thank you, Adrian. Uh, hello, Alan. Hello. Hello, Dario. Um, by the way, we are speaking of history a little bit. So um, I don't know if you remember, uh, Dario, that you are at the origin of my meeting with uh, Adrian. Uh, in 2009, when my son came to race in uh, Atlantic Formula, uh, you introduced him to Adrian, and that's how we met later on. <laughs> so, Sorry very nice to, yeah. to meet you. <laughs> Apologies. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, uh, no, it's, it's really an honor to be able to, to talk with you. Um, um, so I have a lot of questions, simple questions, but um, um, you know that course autonomous is dedicated to walkable cities to get uh, people and uh, goods moving smoothly uh, inside the walkable city. One of the purpose is to give the city back to people rather than cars. That being said, as you know, in course autonomous, we love cars. We love racing cars. <laughs> and. I'd like first, the first question I would have for both of you is, what do you feel about car? What was your feeling when you were young, when you, as a professional, and now? Uh, how did it change and what, you, what are you feeling? Well, you maybe I just uh, start on that. I've been brought up around about cars because my father had a car dealership. And so from the age of zero, I was always in and around the garage and seeing cars not only being bought and sold, but also being repaired from the ground up. And Jim Morton was our sort of chief mechanic at the time. And he was the one that actually taught me about how a car works, how differentials work, how an internal combustion engine works and things like that. So for me, there were cars were actually two things they were a love because it was something I was so ingrained into, but also they were a means to actually put food on the table. And so we didn't actually have association and, and connections with cars because they were sold more than likely the next day. Uh, however, saying that, that whole love of cars is something that's developed. So all through my career, whether it be as son of Bert McNish, the car dealer, or whether it be as a racing driver, or now as team principal on Audi's Formula E team, then it's always been around about this industry. And it's such a fascinating industry but it's such a changing industry. And I think that's the real key for me, Pierre, at this moment in time. We are in such a changing time and it's such an opportunity, but we've got to be onto it because to be honest, we're going to be seeing some movement in technology and the way we do things, the way we use cars and the way we just use mobility changing quicker than ever before. And it's now, it's not in five or 10 years time. It is now. And that excites me. I like that. <laughs> That's very good. <laughs> Thank you. Dio, what would you say about that? Oh, for me, it's a, it's a similar situation. I, I've loved cars from 
you know, the first thing I can remember was it was about racing cars. I've got models of the of the cars that uh, that my my nonna, my grandmother used to bring me back from Italy that stoked my passion in racing cars. Um, but it was for me, it's always been about cars. It's it's it was that looking at a car as a child, thinking, "Wow, I want to I want to drive that one day." Whatever you know that, and that was a, a road car. Um, and that love of, of, of streetcars has continued to this day with um, you know, just constantly evolving taste in different cars from different eras. And, um, you know, if, if, if every night I'm literally looking at different cars to, to, to buy or reading about them. So I, if you look back there, there's books, it's all magazines and books on, on, on cars. It's my, my true passion and, you know, I'm sure there's a lot worse addictions than being addicted to buying and, and driving cars, but um, it's the, the racing side of it was different. The racing cars, um, sure, I have a love of, of older racing cars, but the the, the, the ones I, I I ended up racing, I, I yeah, I loved them, but they were a tool. They were a means to an end, and it was it was honing that tool and that technology and making it making a better mousetrap than the next guy and working hard with that particular car, with that team. Um, it's only now that I look back and I can say, oh, I loved that car. I loved driving that car. That wasn't the the thought process at the time. It was just about going forward. Um, so very much like Alan, I was brought up around cars. Um, didn't I actually buy a car from Bert, Alan? Didn't... Uh... Oh, but there's still the first time to buy one from a McNish. And so therefore, <laughs> when you said that you were always looking to buy ones, I was just sort of looking behind and thinking, aha. <laughs> Pulling out the stock list. Um, but yeah, the, the, that, that love of, 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 of cars, it's, um, it's continued to, to, to this day. And I, I enjoy driving cars and yeah, enjoy looking at them, everything about them. So I feel very fortunate to have made my, uh, my career, my life in, uh, surrounded by them. Very good, thank you very much. So what do you think about uh, the uh, trend in uh, autonomous driving? Because you love, obviously you love driving cars. <laughs> what? So my, my concern, first of all, or let's start with what you said earlier, Pierre, bringing the city back to the people. I agree with that. I mean, I live half an hour. I was going to say half an hour. It can be an hour and a half, two, three hours to get into London from where I live, and it's 20 miles or something. So I, I completely agree. We have to come up with a better solution. Sitting in, in traffic, stop, start. There's, um, the way I've, I've thought about it, and actually since working with you with Coast and understanding it a bit, is bring the cities back first, the low-speed areas, the city centres. Let's get rid of the cars. Let's, you know, I don't need to drive into London. We could, you know, park in an area, have autonomous stuff come. That, to me, I think that that's the first the first real step is, is, is doing that because anybody that's spent any time in any of the major cities now knows that it's, it's just not sustainable. It's not tenable. What's happening is, is, is utter madness. And this lockdown actually has shown, I think, even how bad it's been because you go now on to the M25 and rather than sitting in, in traffic for two hours, it's, it's a bit more free-flowing. Um, so we have to... We have to start with that. My concern is when we start doing high speed and then mixing autonomous vehicles with lunatics like Alan and I and, and people, at least when we're driving, we're focusing. That's the thing. I think there's a lot of focus, but there's a lot of people that are not focusing. So when you try and mix an autonomous vehicles with people of varying skill sets, varying abilities, varying um, concentration, shall we say, 
that is the thing that that, that, that worries me, I think, is, as much as anything. If I just maybe come on, the way I see it is a wee bit like developing a racing car. You know, the technology is changing and then suddenly a new technology comes forward. And you and I remember, Dario, the old gear lever. When you had the old H-pattern gearbox and you pulled the lever across back, you had to sort of heel and toe to change gear, synchronize everything. And then suddenly a paddle shift, and it was a very basic paddle shift system, but allowed you to do so many more things with a car. And then it evolved from to completely automated systems working on a GPS as the car was going around the circuit. And I think we're in that position now where the technology is just suddenly allowing us to do more things. And I agree with you as well that it is actually at a different level than maybe the perception is. It's at a low speed level right now. In the future, it may come to the point where we have got multi-situations on motorways and things, but right now, I'm not quite sure that everybody's prepared for it, and the technology certainly isn't quite in that position for a multifacet looking at it, but the cities are a clear, easy goal. And, you know, in racing, we always go for that low-hanging fruit where we can get the lap time straight away, and that's something that here in Monaco, we're very lucky that Prince Albert is very much behind this sort of push on electrification, on new technologies, on trying to sort of ensure that citizens are safe, but also you can get around and you do have that freedom. And uh, there's been a lot of different sort of trials on how to achieve it, but the time is now to make that step. And we have a situation, my view, this COVID where we have been all sort of locked down, we need to get back out, but it is an opportunity for now reinvestment into these new technologies. And in my view, it's uh, the time is now to be able to actually force and push those things through. And it's, it's a little bit us in terms of what we want as consumers. It's a bit the, the technology in terms of the supply, but it's also very importantly, in my view, the, the MPs, the government ministers, the people that then are, are actually signing it off. And now I think they're willing to make that move as well. Very interesting, I agree. <laughs> So I have another question for you. Would you agree to be driven by a robot? I've been driven by Dario. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we do, aren't we? We, You know, we actually get into airplanes and they are flown predominantly and can land, you know, from uh, without the pilot actually being active to it. So... You know, if we're willing to do that at 700 miles per hour, 600 miles per hour, I think then there is an obvious logic to be able to do it. The way I look at it is it's risk assessment. In racing, we're always working on risk assessment and trying to be millimeter precise, but to be quicker than the next person. And it's always, where is that edge? Where's that 99%? But drivers make mistakes. I've made mistakes in the past, Dario, as we all do. However, in that respect, when you've got uh, technology there to back you up, like you do in broadcast today, you've got your lane assists, you've got uh, your uh, alert sensors to be able to do it. It's just one next step forward from that. And so from my point of view, absolutely no question. Yes. I agree, Pierre. I agree. We've, we've both Alan and I did a lap of the, the Formula E track in New York. I am. In the uh, in the coast golf cart, you know, and we sat there, and we chatted, and you know, we had an argument who was going to drive, and of course, 
we both have seen some of our greatest hits um, <laughs> with the accident. And so we decided that the, the only way to do it was get in the autonomous golf cart. And we did a lap and we had a lovely chat. And um, so we've done it. And I'm with Alan. I've got no problem at all um, just with, with being driven in an autonomous car. It's, um, and it's clear that the, the, the development process as I see it is low speed, first of all, and then just ramping that up as, as understanding technology as all that sort of thing starts to happen. Um, yeah. I think it's a mindset as well a little bit, Dario. We're fortunate that we've actually been able to experience it. And we're fortunate that we see how it can evolve. Um, but I'm a big fan of actually trying something because that's the first time when you do get that reality of it. And uh, I think when people do try new technologies that maybe they're questioning, then that first time, then suddenly it becomes a more natural thing. And then if you look one year down the line, there's always that question, well, what were we concerned about in the past? But it is step by step. And I think you're, you're quite correct in terms of pointing that out. Very good. So my view of, of what the automotive will become is the, the small um, usual car will be less and less interesting and will be replaced by autonomous uh, shared vehicle. Uh, but that will give value to high-end um, uh, sport cars or we will use them to, to have fun with them or, or to go for a trip or something like that rather than uh, having the burden to... Uh, use them inside the city on every day. Um, but that's, that's only my personal view. What, what, what's your viewpoint on that? How do you see uh, the, the automotive world changing in the coming five to 10 years? Spot on, Pierre. I, I, I think my view is completely aligned with yours on that. I mean, I, I love driving too much to give it up. But as I've said earlier, I don't need to drive into London. Um, I'd let the car take the strain. You know, get let, let the autonomous vehicle take all the strain. I want to be able to go with one of my old cars or something really fun and drive um, the roads in Scotland and all these type of stuff and choose the drives that I want to do. Uh, but there's times I don't want to, you know, and, and the, I guess the option right now is you get, if, you, if you're in a position, you get in a car and you get driven somewhere, you get a, a driver, a car and driver to take you somewhere. And that's, that, you know, sometimes it's really good because you've got a driver that understands how to you know use all the controls and drive in the Jackie Stewart manual, and sometimes you get the guy that sort of he thinks that the throttle is an on-off switch. Um, with the correct um, technology, you you get in an autonomous shuttle and off you go. You know, and, and I know Pierre, the, the stuff you've been developing, it's going to be silky smooth. You get in it and off you go. I, I would be completely happy with that. I could do all kinds of different stuff, get on the phone, do emails, all, all that stuff. Um, because, you know, as I say, as much as I love to drive, I hate sitting in traffic in London. It's, you know, London, LA, all these places. It's, and no matter how nice a car you're in, it's just a, a pain in the arse. So, um, yeah, I'm all for that. Very good. Yeah, I think the, as well, it's generational. You know, we're of a generation where we've sort of seen a big, amount of change. If I take my 15-year-old son, he's sort of seen a little bit of change, but predominantly through my eyes. But for him, I could see him quite easily at the beginning of his uh, adult life, just seeing 
autonomous or alternatively other transit ways of traveling as opposed to driving himself. But then I think later on in life, even if they haven't grown up with it in the same way that we all have, I think they will want to feel it. They'll want to sense it. And then later on, they'll come back to it in a slightly different way. It's an interesting point, though, because there is that change. There's a general sh generational change and a technology change. Um, but right now, certainly for us, we still have got that feeling of being under the freedom because that's the first thing I remember when I was 17 years old and I came home and I had my driving license, it gave me freedom. Freedom that I didn't have to ask my father to take me somewhere. Freedom that I could go and do different things myself. And that freedom is something that uh, I think will always be there. It's instinctive into the human race. Well, a great reminder there, Alan, of, of that feeling. I remember the same thing of the world is now my oyster. Where can I go? And then I realized I had to ask my dad to borrow the car for a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, my, one of my first trips was to Snetterton Racing Circuit. Five and a half hours. Wow. It wasn't wasn't your sort of normal thing that you do when you pass your test, but you jump in a car and drive five and a half hours to your first car race as well. And so in that respect, then it was being thrown into the deep end a little bit. <laughs> My first trip was to London. My dad said, go, go to London and get your, your sister. So, I'm sorry. He said, yeah, go on. It was a three, four hundred mile trip. So I feel your pain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we've also got to remember... You know, in those days, that's a few years ago, Dario. <clears throat> it's over 30 years ago, my boy. Yeah. But there was a significant amount less cars on the road. Yes. And so, therefore, it, it come back to your whole risk assessment and everything else. Mm. It was a completely different world. And today, then, just the number and volume of vehicles. Then, most families had one car. Now, you're looking at two and three cars. And uh, we do need to sort of redress the balances somehow, certainly within major conurbations. And it's an interesting thing. I listened to uh, the mayor of Boston, who was talking about the problems they have in cities. And it was about a year ago, and he was talking, and one of the main areas is actually parking. Because if they can take away some of the parking, they can actually have more apartments or houses in the cities. And then by taking away some of the par uh, parking, they also then reduce some of the smog and transit problems and things like that. And this is where I think a new city will evolve. I think new cities are something that's going to definitely come into the new, new areas, but also at the same time, we've got to try and turn around our current cities as well. I think that's a wee bit more of a question towards you, Pierre. Where do you think that's going? Yeah, hopefully I think... Um, um that we'll get some city centers without cars. Um, when I had a company in France, only 40% of the engineers had a driving license. 40%? Yeah. And the rest of them, I remember the first time I sent one to Stanford with a, an autonomous shuttle. He was lost there because in Stanford, <laughs> the Silicon Valley, Palo Alto, he could not move. We had to rent a bicycle for him, but he, could, he, could he had no driving license. Uh, um, so I think that uh, most of the young people uh, growing into city center don't have in mind the idea to have a car. Mm. They really don't see uh, that they will own a car one day. 
So that usually change when they have to marry and get kids and because it becomes more problematic to go with all the family into the uh, underground. But, uh, but still, um, it seems that uh, in uh, um, US universities, the main problem they have is not faculty or it's parking lot. It's where they spend the yeah. more money just to park the cars for the student to attend the courses. Yeah. Which doesn't make sense at all. Hmm? So I think, yeah. Um, but as you both said, I mean, we, we love driving. Uh, when I was young, I, I saw cars as, as just toys, you know, uh, real cars as toys. It was to make them jump or, or drift. <laughs> and I, I don't want to leave that, but that would be for, for the weekend or for a race weekend or nice trip, yeah. But when I was living in Paris, I dropped the car completely. I, I didn't have a car at all. So Paris is one of the cities that's actually looking to close off the center and yeah. uh, to bring it into autonomous vehicles. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We'll see what, what happens. <laughs> I just, you know, from my point of view, it's we're in a situation with massive technology change, massive lifestyle changes, and I think it's an exciting time. I think it's an exciting time in the car industry. I think it's an exciting time in the racing industry as well. And it's not that the two are separated. The two actually are connected. You know, mm. Dario and I are racing drivers at heart. We just live it with an absolute passion. And the day we were born to the day we die, that's racing, we are racing people. But at the same time, we go through all the same processes in the way we drive and the way we set up a car, the way we think and our risk assessments exactly in the same way as you know you will do when you put that into, you know better than us, Pierre, but how you put it into your modeling and how you create the technology to be able to replicate what we're doing on the road. Mm -hmm. And in that respect, I think uh, you know the, the worlds are combining and they're not colliding, but they're combining. And I, love uh, this idea. Yeah, I think it's fantastic time. Yeah, I agree. Well, that was a great discussion on the uh, future of cars and mobility. Um, so thank you very much to Dario Franchitti and Alan McNish for being with us today. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the podcast and please join us again for more Connected with Coast Autonomous. <laughs>